Life was bitter to the core There was nothing to live for Until love came My name is Harold J. Perkins And at the age of 17 I was selling drugs And on my way to an early grave While sitting in my house with about 10 guys God gave me an out-of-body experience And I was lifted above the room I could see everything moving in slow motion After that I got up and put those guys out And I cried out to Jesus Christ He came into my life with liberty and purpose. Then I ran into religion. And it has taken me over 40 years to navigate through religion to fully understand what came into me that day. This podcast is to help put you on a faster track than it took me to get through religion and experience life, liberty, and purpose on a higher level. So get ready. We're about to start a revolution. Again, welcome. I'm going to get right into this today. Get ready to see the love of God and how he has set us free. In the first two episodes, I talked about a people of God coming forth like no other people of God before. What will they know that most believers don't know today? They will be people from all walks of life, fulfilling their purpose, supercharged by the power of God, walking in victory in every area of life, No weapon formed against them will prosper. Why? Why will they be so victorious? Could it be that they will know something about what Jesus has done that most don't know today? Let's see where God declares victory for us at. I'm going to begin at Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 and 2. And it says, comfort ye, yes, comfort my people, says says your God. Speak comfortable to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord double for all of her sins. Notice that the victory here is talking about what Jesus has done for us, and it's associated with the fact that sin has been taken care of. Okay, and so we go to now I'm in Hebrews chapter one, verse three, Jesus being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of God. Now, here it is saying that he sat down at the right hand of God after he took care of sin. So sitting down indicates that he has finished his work. Let's go now to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12 and 13. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. Now, here it says again, he sat down expecting his enemies to be put under his feet. But if he sat down, his part is over. So the enemy uh, being put under his feet would be someone else's responsibility. But again, we see in that that scripture as well, sin taken care of, associated with victory and him sitting down. I'm in 1 John chapter 3. Verse 8, he that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested 
that he might destroy the works of the devil. So here again, we see sin was a work of the devil. So if Jesus destroyed the devil, he destroyed sin. Okay, all those verses appear to be saying that our victory was in him overcoming sin on our behalf. Then why is Satan having his way with a lot of God's believers? Maybe it's in the way that they're looking at sin. Because the victory appears to be in what Jesus did about sin. Now I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 17. It says, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So maybe we're not seeing more of the spirit of God at work in our lives because we don't know how liberated we are. Jesus said the truth will set you free. Free for what? Free to reign in life. I'm about to share with you how free you and I are. What I'm about to say going forward, if I said this in a church, most pastors would not let me finish the message because it goes against what they have been teaching in era. God held me back for about six years to get me rooted in what I'm about to teach so I can have chapter and verse to confirm what he has taught me. I, have, uh, I had an encounter a few years ago with the Lord, and he told me, that most of the current church would not receive the revelation I carry. So I'm ready for the backlash. As I was getting ready, uh, I should say, as I was getting my time in with the Lord this week, as I do every morning, he said, they have to know their liberty. If Jesus came and the main purpose that he came was to free us from sin, then our liberty lies in us truly understanding what he did about sin. And overall, the body of Christ does not fully understand what he did about sin. Okay, let's go. Uh, I'm now in John chapter 1, verse number 12. It says, for as many as received him, Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So if we look at that, he gave us power to become. Now, we have to ask, what is this power that he gave us to become? Well, let me ask you this. What is the power of an apple tree to become? Is it not a seed? While the apple tree is a seed, is it not a tree? All it needs while it's in seed form to become a tree is water, sunshine, time, and of course, it's got to be planted. If God is going to duplicate himself, and he said it throughout scripture that he was going to do that, would he not likely start with a seed? Is this seed of him our power to become? I'm going to go over to 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. Hold your hats. Verse 8 says, he that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. For his seed, the seed of God, right, remains in him, 
because it says you're born of God. So it's his seed for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this, verse 10, the children of God are manifested and the children of the devil. Now look at verse eight. It says the devil sinned from the beginning and for this purpose, the son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. So sin was the works of, work of the devil. So it sounds like Jesus destroyed sin. Verse nine, it said that he that is born of God cannot sin because his seed remains in him and he can't sin because he's born of God. Didn't say he would not, said he could not. Verse 10 said, in this, the children of God are manifested. In other words, these manifested sons of God will come in the knowledge of this. Oh, so now we know why the sons of God are not manifesting as they should, because they still think they can sin. But this verse says that they cannot. Now, is there another place that says the same thing? Because God said by two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Let's go to Romans chapter seven, and I'm going to go from verse 14 to verse 25. Now, most people believe that what I'm about to read is talking about somebody before they come to the knowledge of Christ and become a believer, but it is not talking about that, and we're going to see it right here. I'm going to begin at verse number 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am fleshly, soul under sin. For that which I would do, I allow not myself to do. You've been in that battle? I know this battle. For what I would do, that I don't. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I can sin unto the law that it is good. Now it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that is in me, and in, this is in parentheses here, that is in my flesh. Notice where he's identifying the problem. For I know that it is in me, and here's the me he's talking, he's really talking about, that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I don't find. For the good that I would, I, that I would do, I don't do. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Now, if you're a believer, we've all been through parts and times of this type of battle. So this is not talking about somebody that is not in the family of God yet. And I'm going to come to that scripture to point that out. Verse 21 says, I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Why is evil present? Because my body's with me. Verse 22, this is the verse that tells you right here that this is talking about a believer. Verse 22, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man, the spirit man. Somebody that has not come to the knowledge of Christ does not delight in the law of God. They have a sinful spirit. They're not been, they've not been born of God and they do not delight. But in our spirit, there is a delight for the law of God. Verse 23, but I see another law in my members, my body, 
warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, my body. Again, he's identifying what the issue is. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Okay, now, verse 25 says, with the mind, I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin, but my flesh can do nothing without my mind. My flesh has to have my mind. So the problem is not in your born-again spirit. You are just like Jesus Christ in your spirit in seed form. But until you renew your mind to who you are in the spirit, you will remain in seed form, and the likelihood is that the flesh will have a dominant, a more dominant place over you, and you're not going to be able to come, become who you were meant to become. So your spirit needs water, which is the word of God, and sunshine, which is the presence of God in prayer and in worship, and time to grow and to become. Now, I talked about that seed, that it had also had to be placed in ground. Well, guess where we are? We're in the best ground we could be in because the Bible says that we're in Christ. No better ground to be in. So there are two laws at work in us. One in our spirit, which is who we are, and one in our body, which is where we live. Now listen to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Now, the translators just could not believe we were that liberated, so they added something to that verse, and there's nothing that should have been added because it's exactly what it says, and that's what it is. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because we just read that you can't sin. So why would you be condemned? Now, your body can, but your body is not you. Okay, the verse two says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So there is life and righteousness in my spirit as I'm in Christ. And then and and then in my body is the law of sin and death. Okay, now here's what we got to understand. Okay, I'm going to let me read a few more verses here so we get a get a little more. I'm 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 at. Romans chapter 8, verse 3. I'm, I'm excited about this truth. Verse 3, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. He empowered us to be able to dominate the sin that is in our flesh. Verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So what he is telling us here is that if we renew our mind to what is in our spirit, we're going to have life and peace. Instead of allowing our flesh to dominate, and it's going to lead to death. Verse 7. Because the fleshly mind is an enemy against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. There is 
an understanding of the wrestle. Verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He is. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, it cannot be any clearer than that. It says that the body is dead because of sin. The body, not you, not me, not our spirit, man. But it says the spirit is life because of righteousness. That's why we got to understand what this righteousness is. And it's of God. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors to live after the flesh. Uh, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do put to death the deeds of the body, because we've been empowered to do so, you shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So here is what's supposed to happen. We're to develop a consistent fellowship with God and be led by Holy Spirit. You don't need a written law when you have Holy Spirit in you. This is why the law was nailed to the cross. Don't take my word for it. Let's go to the word and see there. I'm in Colossians chapter two. I'm at verse 13. And here's what it says there. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. He's talking about the law was nailed to the cross and died with Jesus. Verse 15, and having spoiled or stripped naked, evil principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it, over sin for us is what he's saying. Verse 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or the new moon or the Sabbath day. Or we could say it this way, don't let him judge you in, in anything. Why? What standard will they use? There's no law. So do you understand that the devil has been put out of business? He cannot accuse you before God because of what Jesus did on our behalf. But here's what he can do, and here's what he's been doing. He can condemn you. And when he condemns you, then you don't have any faith to believe that God's going to do what he said he's going to do in your life, and you're walking around in condemnation, and he's robbing you of life, the life that God meant for you to experience. Now, some will say, Harold, <laughs> what you're teaching will cause people to go wild. Not if they're truly born again and fully understand the price that has been paid for them and they're told the truth. Let me give you this example. This, this will drive it home. Let's go back to slavery. There was a young lady that was about to be sold on the slave block and uh, by her master. Her master needed some money. So, so they're bidding for this young lady. And one person bids $100, it would say the equivalent today of $100, and another person goes $200, then $300, next time it's $500, then it's 1000 and then out of the blue, somebody screams, $1 million, and everybody's like, a million dollars? Man, that's overpayment. You didn't have to bid that high. Nevertheless, the man stays with it, goes give them, gives them the million dollars, gets her papers, goes over to the girl, and says, hey, here's your papers. You're free. 
and he walks off. And then all of a sudden he turns around and he noticed that she's still following him. And he said, I told you, you're free. So he turns around and he walks off again. After a while, he turns back around and she's still following him. And he said, young lady, you are free. And here's what she said. She said, Mr. Anybody that will pay that much for me, I will serve him for the rest of my life. Now, with that said, what kind of price did Jesus pay for us? I'm in Isaiah 53. I'm going to start at verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. He was despised as one from whom men hid their face, and we didn't respect him. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our, our, our suffering. Yet we considered him plagued, struck by God, afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. The punishment that brought our peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. He was oppressed. Yet when he was afflicted, he didn't open his mouth. As a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and as a sheep, that before its shearers is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has caused him to suffer when you make his soul an offering for sin. And the Message Bible in Isaiah 52, 14 says this, he didn't even look human. A ruined face, disfigured past recognition. So, with that understanding, we should be like the slave girl and say, Mr. Jesus, anybody that would pay that much for me, I will serve them for the rest of my life. But here's the thing. Serving God the way he desires is not a burden. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This walk is all about Jesus and what he has done for us. He removed sin out of our spirit, and he did it for all those who believe in him, and then he sat down. He then sent Holy Spirit to live in us, to empower us to fulfill the purpose that he has for our lives, and to help us reign over our sinful flesh and put righteousness and holiness on our flesh as it is in our spirit. Jesus said the truth will set you free. Living after the flesh is not freedom. This truth is meant to set you free to become who you were meant to become. And becoming is a process. So don't let the enemy beat you up when you fall down. Just keep getting up and watch what you become. I talked about my background and where I've come. And God was able to develop me to be a faithful husband. He was able to develop me to, to be there for my children. So how did it happen? water and sunshine in his word and in present in his presence that's what enables us to become let me say right here if you don't know our living savior jesus christ you get to know him right now say this prayer with me say god i believe that you sent your son jesus to die for my sins jesus i accept you into my life as my lord and my Savior, help me to live this life. That's it. It's that simple. 
If you mean what you just prayed, start reading the Bible for yourself. You can start in the book of St. John and in the book of Romans, and God will begin to show you his purpose for your life, and he'll begin to show himself to you. All right, we'll see you on the next episode. I'm